I'm Dan Walters. And I'm Anthony Peters. This is the No Ideas Podcast. Welcome to No Ideas. This is episode six of our podcast. Um, Today's episode is with the artist Rose Blake. Rose is an artist and an illustrator um, who has a pretty amazing cat called Bobcat that was running around during the whole episode. Yeah, you might hear Bobcat running around during the episode. And she also has a fairly famous father and grew up, both her parents were artists, which was amazing. We've got some brilliant stories about that. Um, So we talked to her a little bit about her work and some gallery shows that she'd worked on. Um, and the stuff that she loved, like music and swimming, and we asked her some some quite funny questions. We got some amazing answers, didn't oh, we? Towards there's, the end. there's such a, an underworld of swimming clubs in London. Yeah. I just didn't even know. I know, yeah, unbelievable. She has an incredible collection of prints and art in her house. Yeah. So, so when we got there, we were um, we were kind of standing at the door, wondering if we'd got the right place. And when when we looked through the door of uh, what was her kind of kitchen. Um, it was clear that it was definitely her place because there was some amazing art on the walls and collections of things and just colours and some just some awesome stuff to look at. It was pretty obvious yeah. that it was her house and there she has a collection of um, kitsch sort of glasses with printed yeah, stuff kind of like them. Yeah, printed glasses, really cool. Amazing. Um, we got so many great stories and there's one in particular about a drive-through... LA with David Hockney and her family in the back of the car and it was just absolutely yeah, amazing uh, so listen out for that but also listen out for Bobcat and some of the other like wonderful things we talked about and a, a print delivery in the middle of the show oh, as well yeah. which it was, was uh, proofs of yeah, one of her new which books which we got we got to uh, have a look at with her <laughs> exclusive I mean you can't see it but it was an exclusive they were really great <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah enjoy the show Rose Blake is an illustrator and artist working in London. Much of her work centres around large groups of people within varying environments. Using intricate observations and pop culture references, she conveys character and narrative. She has worked with The New Yorker, The Guardian, The BBC, The Tate and Google, and has also recently been shortlisted for the World Illustration Awards. And according to her website, she loves swimming, singing and strong licorice, presumably not all at the same time. Welcome Impossible. to the show, Rose. <laughs> um, so, growing up with artists as parents, yeah. you had a little bit of a different childhood from most of our guests yeah. so far. Do you mind telling us a bit about where you grew up and your childhood? Yeah, sure. I grew up in London. Um, and yeah, my parents are both artists. My dad, obviously, is Peter Blake, who is like m- most known for pop art in the 60s um, and still works today, which is amazing. And my mum is a painter um, and she started off in probably in like the kind of late 60s, early 70s, it would have been early 70s, um, as a model maker. So she worked for um, a amazing artist called Nancy Fouts who used to do like lots of album covers and um, commercials. My mum worked sort of in the art department there and then she went on to be a painter. Um, so yeah, my parents were very much like within the art 
world. Um, and then I, yeah, so there was lots of art as like uh, when I was growing up, really. Did you did you find were there lots of materials around for you to sort of pick up? Or no, you... not really. Like, really? No. Well, when I was really young, my dad's studio was at home till I was ten, um, and it's very neat. Like all his kind of paints, like paints lined up and paintbrushes lined up, and it was very much not. I wouldn't just go in there and be like, I'm going to do a drawing in here. Like it's very much the studio, and I wasn't really that involved. I, well, I don't really remember being that involved in it. So it wasn't. It was seen as a sort of place of of work or just a place that was at, what, is it out of bounds it was or? work yeah it's yeah. Like the door <laughs> yeah. shut and he went to work and I went and watched Sesame Street so. amazing <laughs> um, and you so you were born sort of mid late 80s 87 yeah so it's a sort of fascinating time to sort of be to be born at what point did you sort of realise that your do you remember there was a moment when you realised that your parents were sort of artists or um, yeah, my mum has a story which I don't remember at all, but like my dad went to, um, he had a big exhibition in Japan and he like went off in the car and my mum said that she was holding me and I was like one and a half or two and I just looked at the window and said, there goes the famous artist. <laughs> but, like, I don't remember that at all. And But I kind of wasn't aware of it really, like um, it was just not what was normal. Yeah. So like just never really was that I never really saw it as a thing ever yeah. until maybe I was like in sick form when I had to write my A level exam on him which was like oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I get it bizarre yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, yeah it was just like it's just your normal isn't it so absolutely because kind of... that's and that's one of the things is, is to you it's just a, a regular regular childhood yeah. like to anybody yeah. who've got parents in any field yeah yeah exactly um, yeah. but like so you you weren't really aware that it was any different from other people's not as a yeah. not as a child yeah. no I mean I knew that my house was a bit different because like my dad's a like a massive collector yeah and he didn't have another studio space at that point so like all the collections are just in our house so like you come in and I mean it was it was quite randomly placed as well you come in and there'd just be like things stacked up everywhere and like collections of elephants everywhere and like a huge waxwork of Sonny Liston at the top of the stairs <laughs> and my, my mates were a bit scared of the house I think it's like why I remember bringing one mate back and she was like oh have you guys just moved in I was like no why did you say that she's like well, why is there like stuff everywhere oh this is just what it is and my mum's very like she likes her house to be very tidy and neat yeah. and very not full of collections. So now my dad's got a studio and all the collections are there. And now it's just like a house. Do you think your mum just like exhaled at that point? It was just like, yeah. ah, I've got some Yeah, but my back. dad still like brings, I mean, he's like obsessed with buying books and I don't know, he just like manages to make little collections everywhere. You've got an amazing collection of different things here as well. Do you think you've taken that on from your dad? Yeah, I definitely... Um, I, I'm definitely drawn to like trinkets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and arranging. I like making little arrangements. And I, yeah. I mean, there's a, a Brian Eno record in the in the bathroom, which is amazing. It's my favourite one oh, as well. Really? But, yeah. um, and the Gavin Turk plaque and yeah. things like that. So you've got an amazing array of different things here as well. Yeah. Do, I mean, is that you? You've had to grow your own sort of approach on that. It must yeah. be difficult with all that visual medium around you when you're younger to sort of plough your own furrow yeah I, I, I was thinking about that actually this morning in the kind of question of like I don't know whenever you are asked about being an illustrator now people say oh did you do lots of drawing as a kid and normally like 
everyone's like, yeah, as a kid, I was like, you know, the kid that did loads of drawing. And I didn't really. I mean, I, I did a little bit of drawing, but my parents did the drawing. I kind of, whenever I tried to do drawing, I was like, well, this is rubbish. Like, look at the ones that they're doing. They're way better than right. mine. And I remember, <laughs> like, really, really being frustrated as a kid and thinking, I want to draw like my mum and dad, but I'm drawing like these crappy stick people or whatever like kids drawings and I remember thinking these are so crap I never kind of like saw my drawing as being good as a kid ever um but now when I look at the drawings I was doing as a kid I think they're way better than the drawings I'm doing now (laughs) just because like they're so free and kind of and honest yeah my son as he refuses to let me draw around him anymore I'm not even the world's greatest sort of artist with a pencil but it just makes him feel bad. Yeah. And so now I'm not allowed to draw mm. alongside yeah. him because he just gives up. So I I think via him I can understand yeah. the frustration. I remember, but yeah, finding it really frustrating. And what was it you wanted to be as a kid? I've read that you kind of almost rebelled at the idea of being an artist. Yeah, I, well, when I was much younger, I wanted to be a maitre d'. Right, so, like, okay. When you, the person that, like, welcomes yeah, you yeah. into a restaurant, which I kind of wanted to do, like, for quite a long time. And then I've always been like very into music and I, well, my dream as a kid was to be like a classical singer basically. But obviously like realized very early on that you have to be like incredibly amazing to be a soloist. And that like I could maybe have studied music and gone into like a job in choir. But um, I kind of like, I was up until sixth form, it was like whether I did that and went to study music or studied well, I suppose maybe I didn't. I did art A level, but I didn't think really that I'd want to be an artist. So you potentially could have followed a musical path. Well, as a kid, that was if you'd have asked me when I was like fifteen what I wanted to do, it would have, would have been in classical music. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. In vocally yeah, singing. Yeah. Wow. Did you sing much around the house? As a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I I was in like at one point I was in like five choirs at the same time, <laughs> and like huh. I, I did like all the great. I did grade eight when I was like 13 wow. I was like really really focused on it I was really obsessed with it so what what changed what pushed you in the kind of becoming an illustrator I really don't know direction? and I kind of like almost I I still kind of think like oh what if I'd have done that it might have been way more fun but I don't know I I went I went to sixth form and then I suppose I just got an amazing mm-hmm. art teacher at sixth form um and and I realised that with my talent, which in singing was not that good, right. I wouldn't have... I, it just wasn't possible, basically. So, like, it was much more possible to go down the art route. And then I just had this teacher that was like, yeah, go to Kingston, like, you'll love it, just do that. And I just kind of followed. Really supportive Yeah, teacher. amazing yeah. teacher, yeah. So what was the teacher? He's called Mr Mumby. Amazing. Yeah, he's really good, head of art. So, um, at what point do you remember him pushing you, then? Well, I just... I don't, I don't, like, the school that I'd been to before, I had never really, like, got on with any teachers, and I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a, um, annoying student, I think, just because I was quite conscientious with my work, so, like, I always got the work done, and I always kind of, like, studied quite hard for exams, and, like, woo! Yeah, it's Bobcat running through the house. Um, and, yeah, like, was quite, like, in all the top sets of everything, basically. But I was really cheeky and chatted loads <laughs> and, like, just hated authority. So I got the work done, but then I was a little shit at the same Amazing. time. So I kind of never had a teacher that kind of got my character. Right. And then the minute I 
got to that school he was my form teacher and he was just like yeah like I like that about you that you don't that you're kind of a bit rebellious against the kind of the kind of like line of what being at school is and he just always had my back if I had a detention he was like just come to the art room so no it's just like a cool person really art teachers were always yeah. Yeah. the ones but my previous art teacher at my secondary school was like she had like a blue apron and her art classes were like you have to draw um, some fruit basically arranged with like poster paints like that was the 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 art lessons that I had till I was like 15 I just remember being like there's got to be more than this I mean, obviously knew there was but yeah. um, so just going back a little bit was there anything growing up that you kind of learnt from watching your parents working um yeah I suppose it's anything I learnt from watching them working just kind of like you know with like a work ethic or um, just like their process or anything like that? Yeah, I suppose, like, my dad, I mean, he is just, like, obsessed with it. So, like, he he basically, like, when he's awake is working in some right. form. So he, um, if he's, like, sitting in the evening watching TV, he's, like, cutting out things for collages okay. and he's, like, constantly in that world. And I suppose, like, it's not really something that you you consciously are influenced by, but it's just there. Mm. So, like that's sort of come into me in a way just in that like that's what I'm so used to that he he feels that it's very important right and like that's all he wants to be doing like he never wanted to go on holiday so I might be like oh can we go on holiday and he just didn't almost sort of like didn't really see the point of it yeah just wanted to be working and like we just go on holiday and just draw on holiday yeah so he'd never be like I need a holiday from this it's like that kind of is that's just he's so obsessed with it yeah um I do quite like to go. Well, I never. I actually say that I like. I love going on holiday, but I never go either. I just never do really. But um, no, like, I suppose just seeing that kind of like intense, like passion for something okay. is really amazing. That's good. Yeah. When you're growing up, the way your parents behave has more of an influence on you and what they tell yeah. you to to learn. And also, like, I think with with my dad's like the thing that really like. I suppose like the main thing that I feel about what I've learned from him was how generous he was what well, and is so like he the way that he makes work he would like do a drawing and then he would just give it to a friend or like I don't know he would make something for someone and he's very generous with with the reason that he makes the work and I think a lot of people a lot of his mates like really feel that so that kind of thing of like I don't know, just like go if you go to someone's house for dinner, giving them a little drawing as a, yeah. as a thank you, or yeah. kind of like seeing, like giving your the pleasure of your work to friends, which is really nice. It has a different economy, I guess, as well. Then it's like not seen as a something that that has a financial value. It has like an emotional yeah, value totally, between totally. people. And I think for him, like he doesn't even think of the work having a financial value at all. Like he would, he would never go and do a picture because of a financial thing. It's all much more personal. I think we need a bit more of that. Yeah. Art for art's yeah. sake, in many respects. I think it becomes less polluted when yeah. it doesn't have. I mean, obviously, we all need to eat, but yeah, I wouldn't mind a drawing as a as a thank you. For yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> <That'd be good. laughs> so after school, you and and sixth form, you went on to do um, a foundation course and a BA in illustration at Kingston I University. I did, yeah. You tell us a bit about your time there. Yeah, I so I went to Kingston Uni, 
um, and I did my foundation there, which was amazing. Um, and I basically, like the first week I got there, I just was like, oh my God, this is the most fun I've ever had. The people were just, you know, I just felt like I kind of met my people. And at, at school, like, I always felt a bit slightly off from my from the p- friends that I was hanging out with just because we had very, very different interests. And I got to foundation and I was like, wow, this is so good. Everyone was just really fun, like partied quite hard. You know, it was just really fun, basically. Um, and then I kind of, again, like I never was really like, oh, I want to be an illustrator. I just kind of went and did the foundation. And then there was an amazing teacher there called Rebecca who is now the head of the foundation. And she, I remember ha- we, I had like a tutorial, we had like one-on-one tutorials. And she was like, well, you like telling stories. Um, so you should do illustration like that. I can, like, I know that that is what you should be doing. And I just was kind of like, again, like, okay. And just like went and applied for illustration <laughs> and then did three year um, illustration. It, the course is illustration and animation. I kind of went into the illustration pathway very kind of like strongly at the beginning, but there are lots of students that would kind of did a bit of animation and then went back to illustration or the other, the other way around. And that again was like incredible. I loved it there. It was really, do you think really she was good. right then about you loving telling stories? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Did you know that about yourself? No, no, not point? at all, yeah. no. Was it something that you became aware of after that? Yeah. Point? Yeah, amazing. Because well, like, within pictures that I make now, like I always put little details that are kind of things that I, you wouldn't necessarily know unless I talk to you through it. Oh, okay. So like, I've always got little kind of narratives going through a picture. And there's different relationships between the people in a lot of your pictures as well. You can see where there's a family narrative or where there's like couples or and lots of the people they interact with each other yeah. and then the things within the image and you can see that each of them have their own little world yeah. or universe which works really well for the fine art stuff you've done and for the illustration yeah. stuff um and then you did a an MA in communication art and design yeah and RCA, yeah I had a really I like honestly had a bit of a, a hard time at the RCA um in terms of like illustration it it was a bit of a weird time for the RCA when I was there that the head of the course had left the year after I started so it's a two-year course so he he retired after the first year and then for the half of the second year we didn't really have a head and it just felt that there wasn't really that much positivity surrounding illustration at the RCA at that point um and I kind of went there from Kingston having had this like incredibly rich lecture program and kind of like very positive way of teaching to this very kind of like a very different way of way of learning um and I found it quite hard but the amazing thing about it was that the other students there again were like just the funniest and most like brilliant group of people so I really just like cl- like clung on to that but I I mean like most of the illustrators that got into RCA at the same time as me had like breakdowns and was just really? like why am I doing this and like went off and did kind of strange arty things and then look most of them have come back to it now but because King, yeah. Kingston's renowned for its illustration yeah. course isn't Kingston's, it? Kingston's like I wouldn't recommend it more it's just amazing yeah. and a lot of amazing um, illustrators from the last 15 years have sort of been yeah. through and Kingston it's a family as well. Kingston as well so like when lots of the people that I share a studio with work in animation and they always have people working for them that have gone to Kingston 
and it's just a thing that if you've gone mm. there you kind of trust the other like you trust the person that's what you're working with it's like, oh you went to kingston oh that's fine then so like, it's like i guess we were talking about this the other day like when you've got a curator you trust or a record label that you know you like their sound yeah you're yeah like exactly yeah you know the vibe be, of the person yeah, yeah. your people yeah do you think that the boundaries are now blurred between art and design and illustration yeah definitely i think like um with with what i do i kind of like i would say i definitely do both um I suppose like the main difference for me is that with illustration you're often you're having to have a lot more of communication with someone else like during the process of making it so you've got to be a lot more kind of um flexible whereas with art you can just make it yeah. on your own um but with illustration it's much more about communicating a, a thought or an idea but you you always have to make sacrifices with I I find within illustration um just in the fact that you're work, you're working for someone. Yeah, and someone else's vision sometimes as well. No, not or... necessarily, but like, I just think you're always working with either like an art director or a designer, or there is always a publisher or someone. There's always another viewpoint. Whereas with with, with making fine art, you can make a picture and put it on a wall, and that's the end of, end point of it. I, it's not always. Sometimes if I'm doing a print. The, the idea that I choose or the idea that some, sometimes the idea that someone else would choose would be more popular than Oh, yeah, one. yeah, definitely. That's the, that's the thing with um, do your own work is that you're never always best judge of yeah. what could people would actually yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's the point, yeah. I guess, you're putting something up yeah. that you like. So uh, what was your first illustration job after your MA? Oh, it was. Um, it was for um, Random House... And it was a book cover called The Ascent of Rum Doodle. And it was like literally the week after I graduated, like had the degree show and then I got this job and it was a vintage random house. Okay. And I did it like I'd had to move out of my flat at King in Kingston and I'd moved back in home at home with my parents. So I did it from my bedroom and I was very much like I'd always worked in screen print and stuff like that at uni and suddenly it was like oh my God, I've got to make an illustration. How do I do this just with a computer? <laughs> so I kind of just made this image, but I didn't, I mean, I knew about the process of the way it works, but not really. So it was like, you have to do a rough. So I did that, but I very much did it like for that. It didn't feel like a flowing thing. It felt very strange. And then I did the cover and they were like, yeah, we really like it, but we've got these changes. And I was like, changes how do I do that <laughs> and I think I remade it from scratch like I start I sort of just did it again yeah. with the changes I remember just being so frightened like so kind of like nervous about the whole thing um and then I did I'm just trying to think what else I did at that point that was like the very first like, I remember that being the very first thing I did it's a bit of a baptism by fire that, yeah it? it really yeah. was because it was like random house like now if I got a job with them it's quite like a nice job yeah um, but looking at the book cover, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's nothing like a piece of your own work that you create. Yeah, over. well, I've got a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you often talk about artists you love, including Danny Fox, Ellsworth Kelly, Hockney, Henri Matisse, Pablo Picasso, Andy Warhol. Have you met any of your favourite artists? Yes, I have, actually, luckily. I mean, I'm, I'm very um, privileged in that, obviously... My dad's mates with a few of them, so I've met Hockney a few times. Amazing. Um, 
I've met Rose Wiley, which was amazing. I met her this year. Um, and then just like, uh, from that kind of generation, you know, Joe Tilson. Yeah. Met him, he's amazing. Um, I, met, get, I met Kitai when he was alive. Do you get nervous when you meet these people? No. I just, mean, I, I generally don't meet people like famous artists, but like the when I have, I don't know. No, not really, no. Do you think, were, were there famous artists around growing up? Do you think you're just au okay with it? No, not from, really. Like yeah. Growing up was very much just like home from school, watch Neighbours, Simpsons, Hollyoaks, <laughs> eat dinner, do your homework. Like that, Amazing, yeah. it, it wasn't, Get it home, wasn't glamorous yeah. at all Amazing. and still isn't. Like, I think that, I do think that within that world, people are like, oh, wow, like your dad's an artist, must be so bohemian. It's like, no, it really isn't. It's just like very, very normal. It's that people have a, an unrealistic idea sometimes, I think, of when they love somebody and they love their work, whether they're a musician or an artist, they imagine that they have this sort of special yeah, diamond-studded life. Yeah, and I think really... you almost, and I do it as well, like, you see an artist's work and you think that their life is the images that they're making. And I think that that is a thing at the moment with illustration as well, that people see illustrators' work and they're like, wow, they've got the most perfect life. And yeah. It's like, no, it's just... It's a normal life and like you're make like I don't know, like an artist is making something that's either beautiful or really thoughtful or whatever, but their home life could be very boring and basic. And I think normally uh, like to be an artist, you, you're not like it's such a discipline that you kind of have to. I don't know, you have to have a bit of a boring actual life to make the stuff. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be like gallivanting around all the time. You're, you're literally just like making it. I think there's a lot of artists also who the making of the thing is what they live for. Mm. And so actually being in a in a, a social environment sometimes is quite difficult for some mm. artists who actually like the discipline of being on their own and being creative. Not everyone, of course, mm. but um, yeah. I went to a wedding recently that was some really close friends of mine who a lot of their friends worked in like more real jobs than me and I like everyone was like wow you're an illustrator my god this is the illustrator like, <laughs> oh your job must be so fun like what's it like and I was like I just go to work and just do it like it's not it's not a glamorous job yeah. at all it's like go to the studio sit at a desk for 10 hours and then come home it's just like <laughs> sometimes not, later sometimes later yeah exactly exactly I think it's because there's a magic in people that make something. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And so people are always... Because I think everyone knows that they could make something. Yeah. And slowly you say to yourself, oh, I'm not cut out for yeah, making something. Yeah. When people say, oh, I'm not creative. And I think so when you meet somebody that's that's it's their job to be yeah. creative, I think people are like, wow. Yeah. You know, and I think what they're actually saying is, I, I, I want to be creative all day and, and not have to go in and look at Excel mm. spreadsheets yeah. and things like this. Maybe that's what they're saying. <laughs> Again, it's an assumption. <laughs> in 2015, you had your first solo show. Um, now I'm an artist. Now I am an artist. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit about this show? Yeah, sure. Um, I yeah, so I was. Um, it was at Rebecca Hossack Gallery, which is in um, Charlotte Street, just like in sort of Fitzrovia. And they, I had a meeting with them, and they were like, "Oh, we really love your work. We'd love you to do a show." And um, I, I agreed to doing it this was a bit earlier 
and then just like freaked out about it and was like, no, I can't, I just can't do it. And there's a really, really awesome girl that used to work there called Georgia and she, like, she came in, I went in for a meeting and she was like, you can do it, just do it. Like, and I sort of was showing her my, her my work um, and then Rebecca picked up on these kind of gallery pictures that I've been making and she was like, just, you know, it'd be lovely to do a show of these. I kind of thought because I've been offered a show that I had to do something that was like just everything. Mm. Like, I don't know, I, I didn't realise that you could like focus in on one kind of thing. Um, and then I basically just like took a leap of faith and just like went into making this work um, and took like, I don't know, it's probably like six months of like intense just like drawing and drawing and drawing them. And I didn't show anyone anything that I was, I was really making for it either at the time. So the whole time I was just like stressed about it, thinking that the work was not going to go down well, yeah. wasn't going to be good. And it was like the first time I'd really like made much bigger work. So like they're all about 150 by 100 centimetres. So they're oh, okay. pretty big pieces. Um, but I kind of just made them on my own and in a very kind of like... I was obviously still having to do my illustration stuff at the same time. So I just worked every day for a year, basically. Right. And just... I I got a bit miserable while I was doing it, I think. But um, then, yeah, the show went down really well. It was really nice. And I feel that that was, like, the point, really, where my work got became a lot more... I've got a lot more freedom in my job now since doing that okay. show. Were you, so, so you were working on the gallery, like, the, that idea before... Before the show, the show yeah, I had okay. a few pictures that I'd done like that, but Rebecca saw them. I mean, right. I'd maybe done like three or four, but they were all like illustration size. They were all okay. like sort of, you know, like 30 by 20 yeah. centimetres. And she was like, let's just do a show of those. They'd, be, they'd work really yeah. well. And you hand finished them, didn't you? Yeah, Is yeah. Right? Yeah, so each one's basically got like um, collage or um, painting or some element of Amazing. like human on it. So yeah. within the kind of space of the gallery, which is all drawn in the way that I would draw an illustration, all the artworks are then hand finished by me. So in a way it was like making, it was making a show within a show and it made me feel a lot safer because it was right. like, oh, I can make these pictures, but they're like still in my illustration practice and it's still kind of illustration, but it's within a gallery that people are looking at. Yeah. It's quite confusing when you talk about it, but it, it felt <laughs> was... to me like a much safer way of making work. It's weird. Yeah. I really like structure with my work, and okay. I really like um, giving myself little kind of um, giving myself kind of like structured things to make. So it's like okay, I'm going to make these artworks within pictures that will then be in a show with people looking at them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a nice little. Sorry, that was really complicated. No, the way okay. I explained it's it. Actually, in our in our notes, um, <laughs> I mentioned that it's brilliant to have people in a gallery looking at artworks of people in a gallery looking at artworks. Yeah. <laughs> and you basically just said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll post something online so that people can see. Yeah. It's easy. When, when you see it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's easy to get yeah. it, but and it's, it's harder to yeah, explain. Yeah, it's funny as well, because, like, at that point, I wasn't really doing so many kind of, like, character-led illustrations. So, like, I was really into, like, suddenly, oh, I'm drawing all these people and all these characters, and I, I was so obsessed with it. But now the way that obviously the industry works, that is within illustration what I'm being commissioned to do most mm -hmm. of the time. And now I'm really into making work that's a lot more kind of abstract and colour-led and kind of 
a bit more well a lot more simple and graphic so uh, like i'm really excited about making work like that at the moment which i'm not really putting out but i'm getting commissioned so much for character stuff <laughs> that like i always feel that with i suppose like doing exhibitions you kind of are almost on your journey like making something that you're not being asked to make which is something really different so yeah i just had a show recently which was all hand embroidery mm. so but while i'm doing that i'm getting commissioned to make the work that i made from the show four years ago so it kind of is like a bit of a cycle <laughs> were gallery shows something that you kind of always saw yourself never ever you ever no no okay yeah um and do you think you were trying to kind of when you were doing it were you trying to kind of separate the two areas of the work and kind of move away from the commercial work or With is that it something that you look yeah that you kind of want to run alongside i almost just saw it as like a an, a project it was right. like okay well you know this show's happening in October so you've got to make work for it I almost just saw it as like a yeah. brief like you've got to make a show um so not really no but it's nice being able to make all the decisions so now yeah it feels a lot now I've done two it kind of feels a lot more like an easier I mean the first one I was so nervous about and then the second one I kind of felt a lot more yeah confident and I think now to do another one I I feel like I could I wouldn't feel so nervous, basically. Mm. It's interesting that it's kind of shaped where your commercial work yeah, is going totally, as well. Yeah, totally, totally. So I think that it's so valuable to do self-initiated yeah. projects to kind of get that, the stuff that you really are passionate about. Yeah. So that's, that's nice that it's kind of now pushing the stuff that you kind of get paid for. Yeah, and I would say that that, like, that show basically was... It was like the door that opened into my illustration career mm. as well. Like suddenly after that I got like a lot more interesting commercial work and also like I just felt a lot more confident within within it in a yeah. way it's weird I see you all are you always working on kind of separate ideas from your client work yeah all like I've got reams of projects that I want to do I've got like a list of like it's it's like my to-do list but it's like the dream to-do list okay so I've got like loads of book ideas that I want to do and little experimenting ideas and kind of just I've got, yeah, like a long to-do list that is like not my actual to-do list. Um, So, I mean, at the moment I'm in a really nice spot where I'm kind of making all the commercial work I'm making is I'm really interested in. Yeah. So for a long time when I first graduated, I was doing lots of commercial work that I wouldn't necessarily be that excited by. Whereas now I can kind of be a bit pickier and make, I mean, I'm doing lots of bit projects, which is really nice Mm. and like the illustration jobs that I get now are much more I feel much more tailored towards what my interest is which is amazing because when when I first started out which is like the classic thing you're like the bottom of the pile of illustration so you just get like jobs that have no link to your work really so much it's just like oh there's here's an illustrator that will do it and you're put on a job that's kind of not really that interested interesting to you whereas now I feel that within illustration work I'm used for what I do, yeah. which means that it's really yeah. fun. People come to you specifically for the style and what your tone of voice. Yeah. Whereas early on, you find that people are just like, we need a, a picture of a man drinking some beer exactly, outside a pub. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, who can we pick? And they just may as well pick randomly, yeah. I think, at that point. Yeah. It's, a, it's a dream to be able to do, yeah. to people to come to you for your for your yeah. style. And I really love doing, I mean, I really love doing commercial illustration as well. Like, I, it is a, a really... I mean, it's a really fun activity. Like, I, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Is that that key moment when you actually have to say no to a project, though? Is I feel like that's quite a turning point. 
there's been Massively. times where I've sort of said yes to doing like everything and then yeah. you're like I haven't got time for that or you have to say no it's a real key <laughs> no like I don't know I remember like when I was in that very very busy period my flatmate was just like you need to be a grown-up she was like why do you say yes to all these crappy jobs that you don't want to do and it was getting to the point where like I would be like missing I don't know I just was missing out on everything mm. because I was working and the jobs that I was doing was doing weren't really making me happy weren't really making me that much money like they it was just like this constant stream of kind of yeah. crappy work she's like say no to stuff be more picky and then do your own stuff at the same time and your work turns out ends up being better I yeah think, when you're and your life is better well, yeah. as well and I, I mean these jobs come through a lot now I just see the brief and I'm like no I know what that's going to be mm. I, I think I'm a lot more like savvy now with I can I can see a job that's going to be nightmarish now yeah. So um, much of your work involves detailed environments full of people interacting with each other and with an array of objects and items. Often these works are drawn as though viewed from afar. Would you say you're more of an observer or a participant? Ooh, um, I'd say I'm like, I'm both. I'm always like, wherever I go, I'm observing everything. I'd say, I, I'd say I'm really like um, interested in looking so um, I don't know, that's quite an obvious thing to say, but like I'm, al I'm always like picking up little kind of visual things around me. Um, I don't know, like yesterday I just saw someone with like an ice cream cone sticking out of his, he was like finishing an ice cream, like a Mr. Whippy kind of ice cream, and he just had like an ice cream cone sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Like just constantly looking for little visual things. But I would say I am actually a participant as well. I, w I would say that, that I like I like being involved in things and like if there's something going on I like to be involved in it I, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't be on the at a party I wouldn't be on the sideline I'd yeah. be like on the dance floor do you know good stuff <laughs> that's what I like to hear yeah I don't I think you can't be both at the same time though can you I don't think you can I think if you're involved in an activity you can't be thinking about it from a sort of third party no no not at all no it. no and that's why i explain that i don't take many pictures of things because i'm always amongst it but I think yeah i don't really yeah. i think it's like i think it's very important to be both i think yeah. if you're like just observing then you become like too like i don't know like cynical or yeah. kind of detached from life i think like that's you've got to balance it out because if you're always looking at something from a third party perspective, I guess you've separated yourself yeah, from, from it. Yeah, from it, yeah. Um, and to be in amongst it is, yeah, invaluable yeah. as well. Yeah, I'd say both. <laughs> <laughs> so um, more recently, you've had forays into abstraction, which you mentioned earlier, with your, the wall art series was, was one of them. Yeah. Which almost the, the pictures that you'd had previously on the gallery walls with the illustrations around yeah. them, it was like you were just now just focusing yeah. on these amazing abstractions. Um, these pieces are a lead on from that that first exhibition, but without people. Can you tell us a bit about these works and do you feel that you will naturally move towards abstraction? Well, yeah, I do feel at the moment I'm really, I'm really excited about just like putting colours together and like thinking more about balancing stuff within my work and kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a really hard one for me because I have this kind of thing that I always want to be sort of saying something within a picture or like I want there to be a, a quite like quick communication so for me to make something that's like totally abstract is still I think like very very far ahead in the future at the moment I feel like 
I, I'm not, my work isn't, oh, is that the courier? Yeah, I think so. <gasps> Hello! <laughs> There's a knock at the door. It is, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. <laughs> is this for the new? This the new is book? for a book that is um, coming out in October. No, not at all. <laughs> Do you want us to stop recording? Oh, no, I won't. No, 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 no. It's no, no good. Go for I it. Just... <laughs> um, amazing. They're, they're um... not very often you get to sit there when someone reads receives the, great hope. I think these are quite rough, so they're just for colour. <laughs> this is this alphabet book I'm doing. Oh wow. <laughs> oh that's exciting. This is the best part about the job, isn't it? When you get this kind of stuff through. Yeah. Right. Um I think quite a lot's gonna change from this really this point. But um Yeah. Does Bobcat make like an appearance in the book somewhere? Bobcat is not in this one, no. There are no. Oh, there is a cat. There's, There's a white one cat white on cat. But... Sorry, Bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> Can I take a picture of Bobcat? Yeah, yeah, the, absolutely. That was good fun. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of briefing. <laughs> um, what so were we on about? We were talking about um, your move towards abstraction. Oh yeah. No, I like I, I um. I'm excited about making stuff that is a bit more abstract. But I think that I will never go fully abstract. I think I, I like to kind of always have some kind of bit of communicate communication within the picture. But I'm very into experimenting with stuff at the moment that's just more kind of less, I suppose, less, less people in it. We're having a great time recording the podcast and it's really good to hear that you guys are enjoying it too. So keep on commenting, letting us know that you're enjoying it. Like and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram so you can keep up with what we're doing. We've got some exciting stuff coming up. Now back to the show. We love your 108 glasses of water and a lemon piece. Oh yeah. Um, which is a sort of lead on again from the, the first gallery show yeah. you did. Um, but each each piece, the, the gallery setting's the same, and then the artwork's different. Yeah, right? yeah. Can you tell us about this title? Um, that was um, within the picture. There was an artwork that I'd drawn, which I made up, which was just a hundred and one glasses of water and a uh. lemon. But it was because I went to Phillips. I did a job at Phillips Auction House, which this picture was made for. So it was like it was a I did a workshop on screen printing but it had to be be screen printed within Philips and be something that the public could kind of like see me doing so I made a picture for it no actually which wasn't the 101 glasses of water and 11 but so I made the gallery scene picture and then we printed I made lots of kind of different um textures and patterns and stuff and then we printed the artworks within this anyway while I was at Phillips it was this modern print auction with like you know incredible prints everywhere and there was just 
a plinth and it had like 20 bottles of water on it that were like you know there's there's like the san pellegrino one but then there's like the flat san pellegrino which also <laughs> is like a really beautiful kind of italian bottle and they were just lined up like four people that were coming to the workshop but they looked like a kind of like jasper johns <laughs> or something and Amazing. i said like is that is that in the in the auction and they were like oh no that's just water for the people coming to <laughs> so then the, i made a picture based on that which was the 101 glasses of water amazing brilliant <laughs> story. stupid really but... oh, i love it <laughs> I, I once read, i'm not sure if it's like an urban myth that there was a damien hurst show where the artwork and this could be a complete urban myth so they had the private view and then they had the party and then the all of the leftover mess from the party was the artwork. But apparently overnight, the cleaner came in, cleaned everything up, and the gallery was just back to normal no. in the morning. So we'd have to do some fact-checking. <laughs> but it's an amazing story if that's true. In fact, it follows on nicely from that. But I, I found a quote that I loved from you. Um, <gasps> Be open to and interested in the world. Mm. Which kind of, you know, being interested in the plinth with the water on. Yeah. Um, what is it about the everyday that appeals to you? Oh, I just love it so much. I don't know, I just love, like, little... I don't really know how to describe it. <laughs> I'm just really excited by ordinary, normal things, I think. How do you how do you kind but, of document ideas that you see, like you were talking about the ice cream cone thing? Do you, like, kind of keep a sketchbook or do you make notes Yeah, I make and... notes. Like, I've got... Um, yeah, I'm a big one for notes in my phone. In my phone. Um, uh, 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 I don't know. I just, I just, I suppose it's just like a, a life collection, isn't it? So it's just like little kind of observations. Um, uh, 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 I can't find any now. <laughs> <laughs> then you stumble across a note like years after you've made it. I, yeah. I often do that idea and yeah, yeah. golden and you're like, wow. idea. Yeah, and I never really look at these either. Like, do you know what I mean? I just... They, the ones that are important or that I feel will kind of be, make work about, it's just in somewhere. you, isn't it? <laughs> I think the act but, of writing something down allows you to remember yeah. it yeah. anyway. But yeah, no, I can't find any anything interesting in here. But yeah, <laughs> I um, yeah, I really, I really do, I really am interested in the world. I'm, I'm very kind of, and I always say it to my students as well. I'm just like everything, if, like there's so much to make work about mm. if you look, like it's. Yeah, really those beautiful ordinary details, yeah. isn't it? The little things that tie us all together rather than the extraordinary things yeah. that only a few people can do. Just the little tenderness between people and a mother and daughter, all, all of those things, when observed, when you're not too busy to observe things, yeah. which everybody's so busy now, yeah. they don't take a moment to stop and look around a lot of the time. All of those little details yeah. are so, they're what, like you said earlier, they're sort of what make life. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's just something that I kind of, it's just like naturally, like very in me, that I'm very into observing stuff all the time. So I don't even see it as a thing anymore. But like wherever I go, I'm like constantly looking for mm. stuff. Um, but I think that's like, if I, like I was talking to someone the other day about doing illustration, and again, it was someone that didn't such you saying oh I can't draw I can't draw and I was like in a way though like I don't think you have to be able to draw to be no. an illustrator I was like you if you can look and you can like you can sort of communicate looking then you can draw the like baddest drawings ever but you'd make amazing illustrations because it's I think like it's much more important to be able to look well than to be able to draw well I don't know 
And it's what you're communicating as well, isn't it? It's yeah. like if you see something and you want to share it with someone else, you find whatever medium you can yeah, to yeah, share that. Yeah. I mean, there, there have been a lot of that sort of faux naive look over the course of the last hundred years where there are some people who do draw badly, mm-hmm. but they still manage to communicate things. Mm. And I think a lot of people feel as though by thinking they can't draw, they stop themselves yeah, from communicating, yeah. communicating yeah. in that way. Maybe it's the same as the sitting at the table with your parents kind of thing. It's like when you see other people and they can draw really well, you kind of give up before you've even yeah, started yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so we love your print for the Magnificent Obsessions Barbican show. Oh, yeah. With the the elephant collection. Yeah. Um, and both yourself and your father are in the print. Yeah. That's right, isn't it? Riding one of yeah, these yeah. elephants. Amazing print. <laughs> and Babar, the elephant, yeah, is in there as well. Yeah, that's in there, yeah. Um, do you ever get to dig through your dad's um, collection of legendary pop culture collections? Not really, no. I mean, it's all in his studio and I, I very rarely go there. Um, I do, when I, when I do go there, I have a look around, like, look at stuff, but not, not really, no. Is there anything ridiculous in there when you were last there that you thought, what, what is this doing here? Um, I'm just trying to think. When I last went, I think he just got some like little kind of like farm animal-y toy things that he was quite into yeah. um my dad's a big collector as well i've just he's always got stuff if you see something something in a vintage shop he's like oh, i've got all those yeah it's just like amazing <laughs> yeah. but i've never noticed yeah, it and then you're yeah. like oh he's got loads of yeah. them which is always pretty amazing yeah. it would be great to have a place to fill up with stuff yeah. like i just love any any old junk normally the stuff that has no value to other people oh I, yeah definitely i love um so in 2017 uh, you worked on the David Hockney activity book, which you described as your dream project. Um, did you know him before this project came in? Yeah, it was. I, I met him um, as a kid. I, when I was like ten, I went to LA with my mum and dad, and he let us stay in his. He had like a beach house in Malibu, so we stayed for a week in this this guest house oh, of wow. his, and. Um, then a week in a hotel. So I was aware of him. I'd met him a few times on that holiday and we he took us on one of those music drives he did, which was like like the most incredible experience ever. So he basically used to do this, I suppose it's like a piece of art really, where he would time a drive through the Hollywood Hills to classical music. And like I've like shivered just Amazing. talking about it. So it started at a certain point and he made like, I suppose it was a mixtape of all his favourite pieces of music. I remember there was like Mahler and um, Wagner as you're like driving down the highway. And then it the drive finishes as the sun sets oh. and you're on the top of this mountain or hill or whatever it was. And the music kind of crescendos and then the sun's, it was amazing. So I was 10 when I did that. And I just remember being like, whoa, like this is like just, nothing yeah, I've amazing. ever experienced ever in my life just like seeing this like natural it, I don't know it's everything it was like art it was music it was nature it was like being in a car with your mum and dad and someone driving you and taking you on this thing yeah. it's just like it's just mind-blowing basically so I met him then and then like um got really obsessed with it the way that he works and his I suppose his kind of like ethos and also his amazing art obviously um, but then never really like did anything about it, just kind of loved it, what he did. Then weirdly, I got an email, so this was last year, so yeah, I've been like working okay. quite um, 
you know, I work on a lot of projects now and I kind of never really get a project in that I'm like, that, not that I'm not excited by, but I'm, I get a project in and I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool, I'll do it. And I got this email from Tate Publishing and it was just like, we we do this series on our activity books and we would love for you to come in and talk about maybe doing a David Hockney one. And my heart just went like, what the hell? So it was amazingly through, do you know an illustrator called Lizzie Stewart? So she's like my kind of generation of, I've known her for years and she's wicked. Anyway, she she had worked with the, with the, the Tate on another book and Holly, who's the publisher, had said to her, do you know any illustrators that are like into David Hockney's work because we've got to do this book and we want someone that's like really into his work because it's a really short timeline so we kind of need someone that knows about his work and Lizzie said oh yeah Rose loves David Hockney so thanks to her I basically got this email through I thought at the time that I was up against other people for it so I was like oh god like I've got this like potential dream job that I want so much but I'm gonna have to like pitch for it basically um, and then I went to meet Holly at the Tate and she, I was like, okay, so who else is up for it? And she was like, no, no, we just want you to do it. I was like, no way. <laughs> so then, then we basically had to pitch it to him. So at this point, like there was no, there's no personal link at all on any of the books I've done with him. There's never really been any personal link with him. Mm. So like we did like three test spreads and a cover. No, we didn't do a cover. We did, I did a typeface. So I made the word Hockney based on his imagery so I kind of hand drew like each letter based on um things that are in his pictures so we sent him just Hockney and then two spreads and within like a week or two he had replied saying yeah I like I really like the style I'm up for this book because at this point he could have said that he didn't want it didn't want the book to even be made so um he was really up for it and then yeah he was like I really like the um the typeface especially and then we had a really short amount of time to make the book. So we kind of, I drew it and then we sent it to proof to LA. It was like couriered the proofs like this to LA. And then at that point as well, it was like, he could easily have said, no, I don't want this to be made. Mm. So I was just so stressed about it all. Um, but then we got, I was actually in Rowan's, do you know Rowan's, the bowling alley? It's like a really crap, if you know, then you know Rowan's <laughs> okay. is in Finsbury Park. And I got a text saying, he loves it. Like, (laughs) it's going ahead. So, yeah, that was amazing. It was basically the dream job. Amazing. But imagine the whole time you're thinking, when every bit of drawing I was doing, I was thinking, the client is David Hockney. (laughs) He's the best drawer ever. And, like, his colour sense is the best and everything about his work is... I mean, he's, like, my my ultimate hero. So just having that in the back of your mind of like, yeah. David Hockney's going to see this, David Hockney's going to see this, David Hockney's like, oh God. I just had to like block it out and be like, just make it, just don't even think yeah. about it. So did that um, lead on to the latest book that you've done with him, which came out yesterday? Came out yesterday, right? yeah. No, it didn't actually. It, that was really weird. So like the the tape book came out and I think it was actually out at this point or it had just come out or was coming out and I was in... Um, Mumbai visiting a friend of mine who lives in Mumbai and we were watching I remember like we were watching David Attenborough on TV and then I just got a job through on my phone like I was checking my phone and this job came through from Thames and Hudson and it was like oh we want to make the David Hockney book History of Pictures but for children 
um, would you be interested in maybe illustrating it? Would you like to come in for a meeting? So at this point, it was like not, it wasn't really, I don't think even that based on the Hockney book I'd already done. So when I got that email, I was like, look, it's another Hockney book. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, what is happening? And obviously this, the activity book was cool, but it was quite a small book. Whereas this book is like, it's a it's a proper hardback, big project, basically. Um, so again, we just went through like exactly the same process. I went into Thames and Hudson and I took my Hockney book with me and I was like, well, I've done this. And the designer was like, oh, well, I haven't seen that. So I think the editor oh, cool. knew, but the designer didn't oh, really okay. know. And obviously, because I'd done so much research for that other book, I knew a lot about Hockney's viewpoint, I suppose, yeah. from that. So I felt quite sort of confident talking about it in the meeting. And then, again, we had to... I had to do, like, three test spreads for that. Um, and it's it's a book basically based on art history. So I did one test spread that was about... Um, Chinese art and one about Rembrandt and how Rembrandt was inspired by Chinese art so they gave me like two pieces of text and I had to basically put it onto the spread and show how I would I suppose how I would illustrate it and then I at that point Thames and Hudson could have said oh you're not the right illustrator so they that it was passed through Thames and Hudson then again it was sent to Hockney and Canelle (laughs) and he must have been like oh not this one again oh god um and it got approved and then yeah we worked we I think we had like two months to work on it but it was it was a lot a lot of work yeah do you enjoy the research sorry do you enjoy the um, research side of things yeah yeah I love it yeah what is it that you really like about it just like learning just immersing yourself in it yeah right and with I think like illustration as a job is kind of like quite research it is quite research led Mm. I mean yeah, I I love I I'm always researching stuff. Yeah. But um with the project as well it was amazing because I I limited well there was not that much time so every day I was like okay I'll do a double page spread per day but obviously the content was so amazing so each day I would leave the studio like oh wow I've learned something really interesting about like Da Vinci today or yeah. like, I've learned about the camera obscura or I I learned all the stuff in that book a lot of it I didn't know. That's it's nice really that good. You yeah. can throw stuff like that. Out. Yeah. And um, you've done a few books haven't you yeah. um is there anything that you've uh, like difficulties that get thrown up with these longer term projects i know you said some of them you've said that the deadlines were really tight but is there anything you find like really difficult about working to a, in a long, to a long kind of timeline because no, really. you say they don't come out until maybe like a year or so after or... yeah the only thing that is difficult about it is that by the time it comes out you're so it's so in your past of right, making yeah. that you're like totally over it and like when it gets to the point of like having to do the sort of publicity, you're like, well, I'm like, so the that Hockney book came out yesterday, but I've done two books since that, right. which obviously haven't come out. So in my head, like the actual making of that book is quite in my past. Yeah. And I guess your work develops as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so it changes and a, a lot of the time with the, with the book, you're, it comes out and you're like, oh, I could have done that drawing so much better. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> you, it, you feel like it, it isn't showing what you're doing at the moment in a way which is, it is annoying, and it's annoying as well when you finish it, you're like, oh, I've done this book, and people are like, well, where is it? It's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, yeah. like, it's not up for another year. So your recent show, Sing, Swim, OK Moon? Yeah. There's a bit of a departure from previous um, mediums reviews and yeah. previous aesthetic. Absolutely stunning, boldly colourful works made of glass beads. Yeah, yeah. And they feature four words yeah. repeated in different... Um, 
in different aesthetics, maybe yeah. more different visuals. Can you tell us a bit about this project and the inspiration? Yeah, for so um, my best mate basically works in embroidery and she works in Mumbai in, um, in an embroidery company in Mumbai and mainly for kind of high fashion. And she'd been talking, we've, well, we'd been talking about how cool it would be to make some kind of like some of my work in embroidery. And we'd done a few kind of test embroideries. I actually made one which is called Bob's Water, which is like, um, Bob, it's this glass actually, Bob, my cat, drinks from. It's just like a very kind of simple <laughs> scene of like her water and things on a table. So we did a few little <laughs> test things with it. And then um, I was offered another show with Rebecca and we I was chatting to Nat. And she was just like, well, we sort of decided, oh, it'd be cool to do a show that's all hand embroidery. Um, and so it was amazing, the process, because basically, like, embroidery is just like, you can do anything. Mm. It's so, it's such a, like an open way of making that there are no restrictions, really. Um, so we worked in a way that I basically designed the, all the pieces and then they showed me different ways of techniques that they can make it so like they they taught me so much about the way that you can make a flat picture into embroidery i went out to mumbai and they showed me how, how it's all done i mean i didn't actually embroider it myself yeah. obviously like, it was through their company but yeah i feel like so excited at having discovered embroidery within my work and yeah. that like that was very much the first step of it as well like i really want to make some big big pieces how many pieces did you make there were 40 right yeah they they were 30 30 by 30 centimeters um they were all the same all the same size yeah yeah again with me like i like my little structures like i knew what size they were all going to be and they were inspired by your time in india were they um originally yeah so when i first went out to india um I just really like the okay, you know, like the horn okay, please. So wherever you're driving, it just the, the word okay is constantly there because it's written on the back of like every car. Mm. It's just okay, okay, okay. And obviously like it just means it's okay to honk your horn to, if you're passing. I just saw it as this really cool thing to just constantly see the word okay. Yeah. That was the, the first words that I had, just the okay. And then I was like, well, I should think about other words that kind of, t- to me, feel like it's okay in a way or like words that are kind of positive or okay words really mm. to me um so then i thought of those other ones you um if i were in a band i would definitely be commissioning you to do all of the singles and that stuff oh, really? <laughs> all the inserts i can already see pulling out the insert it would look gorgeous Was... front and back oh. absolutely they're just beautiful. Yeah. And we we are just fawning over them. We want all of them. Oh, we, thank we, we you were so looking much. on the train, weren't we? We were. We decided we just decided we'd have all of them. It's yeah. funny because the one, my favourite one actually hasn't sold, which is the one that's like the big yellow moon, mm. and it's on a pink background and there's like a little red strip at the bottom. And for me, that one's like that's the one. But it's interesting to see the ones that other people sort of go I love the for. The train bridge. Oh one yeah, as well. yeah. That's just all oh, so gorgeous. Oh, and thank the colours you so are amazing. Much. I'm really, yeah, I'm really, I am like really excited about what embroidery can do to my work. I think like that's definitely the beginning of the journey. And it's not a very often used material either. No, not at all. I mean, in that form. But again, like I only used it because of this, basically because my best mate works in Mm. embroidery. So in a way, I feel like I'm really lucky to have got involved in this world, which is so different to, to my world. 
in a way it's quite easy like it's quite an easy process for me to now I can go back and we can work on so I, we've got an idea for doing something else which that's what exciting. happens when you're yeah. always that's what happens when yeah. you're always curious these things seem to bubble up and emerge yeah. and you can just go anywhere you want yeah um so you often talk about your love of music um and you've done some music-based artworks and t-shirts and stuff um would you like to do more music-based work um, I'd like to do more music-based music. Okay. But, <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I did like loads of t-shirts when I was at uni. I made mm. loads of kind of band t-shirts and stuff. Um, I've never really done any... Well, I've got this... I've got a project on the boiler at the moment that's music-based. I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm... I. Do you still do any like animation? Like thinking of like music videos Not or really, something like that? Not really, no. Don't? I don't, I don't. I've never. I've done a few things with animation, but I've always worked with an animator. Right. But I think like, I would just like to learn how to play music better myself. Right. What do you play? I don't really. I play. Oh, right. I play a bit of piano, but yeah. very, very, very rudimentary in a very rudimentary way. And then I just sing. Yeah. Um, but again, like in a very rudimentary way. Right. <laughs> but I, I like. I'd love to be able to actually like try and take proper piano lessons yeah. and like properly learn to play music. Yeah more than making art about music I'd say okay what kind of uh, music would you play classical like Mozart amazing <laughs> I don't know so you have no illusions to wanting to be in a rock and roll band not at all <laughs> I'm just not for me no I love I love rock and roll music but I lo- I'd much rather play classical yeah. music yeah. I don't I know why piano's... I think it's the structure again like mm. it's very very structural and the piano is the most the most honest and pure and can be the most heartbreaking instrument as well in my opinion it, it, you strip everything away and there's nothing left but just one one beautiful really rich sound yeah so, yeah what are your go-to's then for when you're listening to music at home from, from when i'm working from, from any era from any um i would say i what am i listening to at the moment i'm really into this pianist called mitsuka oshido okay and she plays just like classical Mozart, like very sort of piano concertos. Um, I listen to, again, like lots of NTS at work. I mean, Talking Heads I really like, but I've over listened to that. Yeah. I, like, I kind of like, I've, I've, I've almost like got to a saturation like point with the music that I was really into. Yeah. As a student, I was like really into Bob Dylan, Dave Bowie, like all of that kind of era. And now I almost can't, like, I feel like I can't listen to it so much. It's weird, like, I kind of got so obsessed with it that I need a bit of a break at the moment. You get to the point where I think you know it by heart. Yeah, and, and you put it on, you're like, well, to, I just know it so yeah, well. That you, I always have a hunger to, to hear new yeah, stuff, me too. even if it's new old stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. I was really sad about Aretha, though. I was blasting Aretha on the day that she died, upstairs. <laughs> Just before you... No, no, yeah. when I found out. What, what Aretha? Um, oh, the best song, well, I think the best, like, do you know that song, Ain't No Way? That's so good. No, I don't uh, that song, should do. It's, it's, it's on, like, the, all the, like, greatest right. hits, but it's just, her, like, her singing in it is just, like, phenomenal. It's, like, quite pared back. Um, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Have you ever met any of your musical heroes? Um, have I? Uh, I've met... I've never met David Byrne. I'd love to meet him. Well, actually, I kind of like wouldn't like to yeah. meet him. 
Um, who have I met? I met Brian Wilson. No, yeah. did you really? Yeah. <laughs> did, did you have a chance to have a conversation? No, with him no, no, it's just like hello and a handshake. <laughs> I've met Elton John. No, yeah, amazing. That's brilliant. Um, he was really friendly, really, really fun. Uh, trying to think. See, this is that like side of the PB life that like I've met a few. A few oh, I've met like Pete Townsend oh, and Daltrey. Well, Roger in... Daltrey lives in Chiswick. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he's a trout farmer, isn't he? Or uh, I think he ha- had a trout farm. Oh, okay. He's really nice. Um, were these arbitrary meetings or were they at events or gigs? Or Roger Daltrey, I met him in a restaurant in Chiswick and he came up to the table and said hello to Dad. Um, <laughs> Brian Wilson was that my dad had done a cover for him so mm. we went to the concert and met him before that that would just blow my mind to meet Brian Wilson I love Brian Wilson yeah he's amazing so we always end the show with some quick fire questions um if that's cool yeah yeah so Uh-oh. the first one is, <laughs> is uh, which idea do you wish you'd thought of oh my god which idea do I thought of idea yeah wow that's really hard um now I've got Brian Wilson in my head. I'm just like, God only knows. Oh, absolutely. It's a good answer. <laughs> Probably the greatest song ever written. Yeah, I mean, it is really. It's the, it, it's yeah. the best song ever written. Like, I can't think of a song that is better. No, me neither. Yeah, is that an idea? That's a great it answer. And it yeah. also leads on to our next question, which, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, my God. <laughs> Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles. Oh, right. Do you know it? I don't. I don't. Oh, <laughs> We're going to have to. But it, we will find will, out. It's that one that goes like, making my way downtown. Yeah, it's like a it's like a 90s pop song. Oh, amazing. That is like the best karaoke song ever. Okay. Do you awesome. do karaoke often? I love karaoke. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> didn't, didn't know that. So that's a good <laughs> um, I feel like I want to talk more about karaoke. Yeah, now. come on. Let's do <laughs> it. Okay. Well, what other songs do you love doing? Um, I like doing... Uh, I'm just trying to think. Is that like the first one you'd go in for? Or would I'd you go, like, up to that? I would literally go like Vanessa Carlton, A Thousand Miles, right. like find it, Straight go away. for it. I like Share Believe. That's a good, that's that's a a good, good karaoke classic. Mm. Um, I like... Oh, Boney M, Rasputin. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I like it. I'm liking Rasputin. <laughs> Amazing tune. I once did um, Shaggy, It Wasn't Me. Oh, yeah, that's good. that's good as well. It's a, it's a really good one. Yeah. What, did you do both parts? No, my friend my friend was Shaggy. <laughs> okay. And I was there like, didn't she call me on the counter? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, brilliant. Um, so... Who would be your dream collaborator, dead or alive, and what would you collaborate on? Um, dream collaborator, dead or alive. Well, it's, it's David Hockney. You've already realised yeah. the dream. Oh, that's good. Really, yeah. I think like that's the number one. Not many people we've met have, have already fulfilled, <laughs> fulfilled <laughs> their dream. Um, so you love swimming? Yeah, I love swimming, yeah. So to get you started in the morning, mm-hmm. would you prefer a cold, empty swimming pool? Or a heated, busy one? Cold, empty, obviously. Wow. 100%. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you swim locally? I do, yeah. Do you I, swim outdoor? I swim outdoor, London Fields, Lido, yeah. Oh, there you go. I go, like, pretty much every morning. Right. Um, and cold, empty is, like, my heaven. It's just got to the point now where, like... Well, I've been calling it the 18 to, club 18 to 30 because, like, as soon as it's sunny in the Lido, everyone just piles in. 
and the people that go like all year round get really kind of like arsy about mm. all the summer people and I went in there the other day and it's like just turning sort of like early September everyone has just stopped going so this week's been like heaven like three people in the lane and then the other day I went in to the changing room and it's always so nice the late in the ladies changing room everyone just chats to each other yeah. and this lady was like hallelujah we've got a pool back <laughs> they've gone they've gone and like, everyone's so happy that like I like the I like cold and quiet yeah do you swim all year round yeah Amazing. Nice. It's like your Shangri-La now then. It's just that beautiful autumn light. It, this is like this is the sweet spot of swimming. This and like April are the two months that are really good. And then basically like June, July, August is you've got a battle through the water. But <laughs> <laughs> Which gallery would you be most proud to see your work hanging in one day? Oh my god. Um I think that the fact that it's hanging in any gallery, I'm proud of that. I, I, I'm not. I'm not aiming big on the gallery front. Amazing. I don't think. <laughs> cool. So we got the biggest question of all at the end. Can art save the world? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I think it can. I. I think. Well, no, maybe it can't. But there's not much point without it, is there? In the in there being a world. Mm. I mean, it can't. I mean, what can save the world? in a way like what what does save the world mean mm. it's like is it a button that you press in the world to say like i don't know can anything save the world on its own i think art as part of other things it gives people a reason and it gives people a, like a um i don't know it's really that's really a hard question <laughs> i mean for instance even your your recent show the word okay is almost like a positive lead through to to telling people that it's, I don't know, I feel like you're right, that as a part of other things, it, it can be important, but yeah. And I think like, it, it's the same with anything. It's like, everything's connected to each other. That's what the world is, isn't it? It's like the connections between things. So obviously art on its own, that can't save the world, but neither can politics on its own or yeah. science on its own, or like, it's all to do with the balance of everything connecting together I think if you took art out of the world it would crumble if, if you took science out of the world it would crumble mm. so I think it can save the world but only if everything else is alongside it in a way I think it it would be a really shit world without it yeah, I agree <laughs> I amazing. Amazing. that was an amazing answer really and yeah so, thanks so much for being on the show oh my pleasure been a pleasure coming here and uh, really enjoyed it yeah and thanks to bob oh too, yeah where's she going making an appearance. Oh, thanks bob Very regally <laughs> sitting outside <laughs> thanks very much for listening to the show we've got some really incredible stuff coming up so make sure to go follow us on instagram like and subscribe to us on itunes or soundcloud and tell your friends if you're enjoying it we'll be back next month with more ideas